0: you are locked on indians your daily cleveland indians podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day okay everyone welcome to the locked on indians podcast i'm your host jeff ellis we'll continue looking at the espn top 10 series we'll talk about some other players having strong camps and we will update the tanner burns situation so let's just start there Tanner Burns is in Cleveland right now. He is one of eight players who is unsigned as of uh, right now in the entire draft. Far and away, the highest pick that is not a Miami Marlins selection. The Marlins, of the eight unsigned players right now, um, four of them are Marlins players, uh, which is kind of crazy. They signed their top selection, but they have not signed their second, their third rounder, their fourth rounder, or their fifth rounder. So for whatever reason, the Marlins are not signing anyone. Uh... But if you ignore those Marlins players, Jordan Nwago, who's the 88th overall selection, uh, Burns was 32nd, but Nawago to the Cubs is the next highest selection that is unsigned. Uh, then you only have some fifth rounders, Baumler to Baltimore, who is a prep arm, I believe, who's going to be a little more pricey. And uh, Joette, Drohan to Boston. Everyone else is signed. So Burns stands out just because of being the only first rounder left even if he's a supplemental how high he was selected and again if you pull out that Miami pick the next highest selection is 88th overall unsigned and just in general most of this draft is signed sealed and delivered and uh, burns is not yet now i was talking about numbers on the podcast and i recently realized when i was summing up the columns in my google document i had forgotten to add the final column so all of my data was not including the slot value of the uh, of Mason Hickman's pick, which is why all of my data was off. Now, if the at one point in time, I said, if the Indians don't sign Burns, Burns might have them over a barrel to lose a first rounder. Not true. If they don't sign Burns, they'll just get the pick back next year. Um, if they didn't have the $343,000, yes, that would have been the case. But when I look up everything and I put in the correct numbers and I double check the pool values. What I have them with right now is the max they can go is, you know, $2,255,939 without losing a first rounder. Um, They can go about, I think, 1.7 something at this point in time to stay under, um, you know, the first set of penalties, which is for, you can go up to 5% over and stop and now this is an organization since they put the pool system in has always overspent has always gone over and has always uh overspent on the draft taking advantage of that extra wiggle room so i bet burn signs we'll see uh i was talking with someone online and one person told me uh that you know that there's some fighting going on uh i had another one say that uh that everything is done, delay is unrelated to the money. So I don't know what's going on. Burns is in Cleveland right now. His agent is Scott Boris. That can always make things more difficult. That's just the way of it with Boris. And it, and he's the last Boris client left standing. Um, other players who were also his client: Austin Hendrick who went twelfth, Garrett Mitchell twentieth, Austin Wells twenty eight, Jordan Westbrook thirty, Drew Romo thirty five. So that's a lot of uh, a lot of players who have signed. Some around slot. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what the holdup is. It is something just interesting to note and look at. Um, I think it gets done. Uh, there's there's some issue. You know that, that it is not done yet. It's just odd. Again, there are eight players who have not signed for the Marlins being really weird, and the other four you just kind of sit back and go, what's going on here? And Burns just stands out for being that first rounder. Uh, I saw in the Paul Hoynes piece, you know, he is, he's is he been around the team forever. He gets information first. But there's a chance once Burns signs that he will uh, report to the Lake County site that he might be one of the 60 players who make the, uh, the Indians, uh, you know, 60-man roster, which makes sense to a degree as a first-rounder and as a player who they probably hope will move quickly through their minors due to his history of success and everything else he does well. That, you know, it could be like a Sabal or a Bieber where you're looking at two to three years in the majors. And if you want to work on some small things and if they spotted something they can fix mechanically, of course, you want him up there and you want to be working on that as soon as possible, getting him quicker to the majors. So we'll see what happens. I think he still signs. I'm curious to see what's going on, but it is odd just to see what is occurring with him and that, you know, he's still out there. Moving on, uh, we'll save the ESPN uh, third base talk for the end of the podcast. But let's talk about a. Well, first off, let's talk that there's a few minor things we should probably discuss uh, just in terms of the Indians. One, they announced who their starters will be for that first weekend. Uh, the, they announced the first three, and it's going to go Bieber, Clevenger, and then Carrasco. And then after that, nobody really knows. Uh, you know, they don't know tonight either. It's going to kind of be a wait and see if they're going to go for a five-man or a six-man rotation. Both are still on the table. Uh, Carrasco did not have the strongest performance on Thursday night as I'm recording this. And I still have concerns that he has not not ever looked quite right um, since his cancer issue. I mean, I, how do you phrase it? The dude beat cancer. Let's just go with it that way. Cancer is terrible, and he beat it. Um... So hopefully we will get him closer to being the cookie Carrasco of before all of that. But there were some concerns even heading into last year with some of the uh, the injuries. So we will see. But right now he is slated as their number three. Um, it makes sense to kind of lead off with that. I assume Saval will be four. And that fifth spot is, you know, kind of we'll have to see if they're going to go with Plesak or, you know, he, to me he sticks out. Um, just looking at you know who threw a bunch of innings last year for them, uh, I would personally still bet on Pleissack in that fifth. Well, it's Pleissack or Plutko. Um, I'm just I tend to forget about Plutko very quickly in my mind just because he's uh, kind of a, a marginal uh, talent to me. But we will see. Either way, uh, you know it's good to have the depth, and there's a chance that both of them make it, and you go six star- uh, have a six starter uh, rotation, which is something that has been bandied about. Uh, the other thing I wanted to comment on and pull up just from earlier today on Twitter was I thought it was very interesting a tweet by Andre Knott and the exact wording in that tweet I wanted to make sure I had it was Tribe had a meeting last over three hours a day that was at times uncomfortable but needed and more about doing what is right when you're not in uniform. Uh, then he followed it up with this wasn't a reactionary meeting it's something the organization wanted to have for a while so basically they just sat down as a team and talked about the world and how it's going on so good to see that they're willing to have that discussion, that they're open to having that discussion and that everyone kind of sat down as a team and talked it out. So if that that's a story that's going to be very easy for people to twist and turn and talk about how um, something is wrong or something occurred. None of that's necessarily true is basically what I'm saying. So just be aware they had a sit down meeting. It wasn't an easy meeting, but they, they talked about, you know, being a responsible human being, which I think is a, a lesson, something we can all uh, spend some time thinking about and doing, making sure we are doing. Before we get into the top tens, those aren't going to go away. We have to talk about Bradley Zimmer. Zach Meisel over on the Atlantic had a piece on him and then he also went yard um, which a bunch of times today. Uh, by today, I mean Thursday night. I think he's already hit two home runs as I'm recording this. Um... Let me just double check that right now. If it wasn't him, it was Yu Chen Chang. They've just been feel like homering all the time. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it was after hitting two home runs on Wednesday, Zimmer just uh took Logan Allen deep today. Bradley Zimmer is a fascinating player. When he was drafted, he was viewed as a guy who was going to fill in, hit for power, hit for average, probably have to move to a corner outfield spot. Uh many places graded him as the you know, the best current hit tool in the college class and You know, he kind of became, for me, an example of how we misjudge Hit Tool, and I've talked about this repeatedly. I was ecstatic with the draft pick. I still don't think it's a bad draft pick. We'll have to see what happens. But Bradley Zimmer, and by the way, I decided to spend some time and dig. I didn't realize that uh, University of San Francisco has three uh, players who have spent some time in the, the majors recently, and that'd be the Zimmer brothers, both Bradley and Kyle. And the third guy, Adam Simber, who transferred in there for his senior year. Uh, In 2013, became a ninth-round pick. I'm sure he was a senior sign as a a reliever who had transferred from University of Washington to San Francisco. But yeah, uh, Zimmer and Simber, fun names there together, were teammates in college in 2013. So I I just thought I had to point that out. But the University of San Francisco is not a big program and has not produced a ton of uh, names you are likely to know. I mean, going through the list for me, uh, you know Jesse Foppert stood out, and that's more because like an OTP, uh, 2005, he was a really big deal. There's some other guys, but not a lot of short on stars, and they're part of the West Coast uh, Conference, which for baseball it's like Pepperdine has had its ups and downs, uh, San Diego same, Gonzaga has been pretty steady, but typically produces some talent. Uh, Loyola Marymount san francisco university of portland byu st mary's and santa clara i point this out because again it's not a murderer's row it's a good conference it's you know it's a small conference and i do all that to go back and point out that you know in college when you're looking at someone like zimmer his his strikeout percentages were 18 12 and 13 so those weren't super high i thought they were higher interesting But, you know, he gets to the minors and they just keep shooting up. And in the majors, his his strikeout percentage has been over 30%. Why do I still have faith in him, even though that's up there? Because the walk percentages have also been, you know, in the majors over seven, but historically closer to 12 or 13. And the odd thing with Bradley Zimmer in general is he, the hit tool just never really appeared to be there. Um, There are some pitch recognition issues. And when we go over to Baseball Savant and you look at him, I think the interesting thing is more. When you look at something like just his overall speed. So if I go to like his speed score. Well, I have his defense up right now. So let's talk about that. So his burst in 2017 when he had enough time was, you know, a deep red stat. His feet versus the average feet covered a light red. So that's you're talking probably top five, top 10% of all players. So he jumps quickly and then he covers a lot of ground. It gave him that potential to be. You know, a plus type of defender and center. Like, he covered so much ground. His overall sprint speed, 2017, 30 feet per second. That's top 1% of the league. It was down to 29.4 in 2018, which was top 4% of the league. He is fast. He is very fast. He is oddly, oddly fast for a dude with his size. Uh, when you're kind of looking for comparisons, it's like he runs about as well as Alex of Verdugo, who, you know, is not built the same way as he is, but what we've seen with Zimmer, the power is there, uh, that has been there in the minors, pitch recognition has been an issue, but he's changed his stance, and he's kind of moved his hands down, and Mike Clevenger, it was a quote in the Misel piece, was about, you could just, because of how big Zimmer was, you could bust him in size, inside I should say, and now you can't do that as much, and it's taking some adjustment, and he is having a great camp, because he is just using that the natural strength, the natural length and hitting the heck out of the ball. The defense was always there. And I mean for me, my whole view was that Bradley Zimmer was going to be a great 8-9 hitter because I thought he'd be a plus defender in center field and that alone uh makes him worth starting just from the defensive value and then you go in and you add the fact he should be a 20 home run guy easy. Yeah, he's going to have a low average. He was going to have a below average on base percentage, but it would be Bowie, buoyed I should say by the walks and just the overall low on base skills would be enough to push him down the lineup and just be a nice power bat at the bottom of your lineup who could also run really well I mean in some respects he'd be such an ideal nine just because he's going to have that speed that he can turn on and there's also just the power threat down there so we'll see what Bradley Zimmer does he is trying to go out and prove that he deserves a shot in the outfield there is some fun thoughts in my mind of imagine if Zimmer ends up in a corner with Mercado uh, in center. It's like nothing. What's gonna drop between the two of those? It feels like you're just covering so much ground in that defense. It would, it'll be a sight to watch. The bigger thing here, it's you know, his brother Kyle was a high high pick. Uh, I believe a top, I know a top ten pick by the Royals. I'm thinking like seventh overall. Uh, as a pitcher, he was part of the the big pitchers in that fifth I was wrong he was fifth and that was a big pitching crop back in 2012 where you had Kevin Gaussman, Kyle Zimmer, um, Andrew Haney, Max Fried and I think it was that the Giolito eventually in that class too and guys even of lesser names like uh, Michael Walka and Chris Stratton who have made it to the majors Uh, I was really high on an undersized guy named Marcus Stroman in that class in that 2012 class, uh, it was a really strong one in general, but with the fifth overall pick, the only guys taken off the board were Correa, Buxton, Zanino, and Gaussman, and Kyle Zimmer, as of now, has had 15 games in the majors and just unable to stay healthy. Um, you just keep coming back to that, unable to stay healthy for Kyle Zimmer. And that consistent issue with him and his health... Uh, it concerns me with his brother that every time it looked like Kyle Zimmer was going to get healthy again, he missed more time. And the fact that his, you know, Bradley himself has missed so much time, it just makes me even more concerned uh, about his ability to, re, you know, stay healthy. Uh, he got into a few games last year, but you go back, you have to go back to, you know, 2018 where he had 34 games, and then 2017 when he had 101 games that's the high water mark. So there's, there's potential. I don't know what you can count on. I don't know what you're going to get. Um, I'm hoping we get a chance to see a full Bradley Zimmer this year, just because the power to speed ratio is one of those things I often talk about in the draft, and he has that in spades. Uh, and he could be a 30-30 guy. I will stand by that. Uh, he might hit like 210, but we'll see. Maybe this change will allow him to hit for a little bit of a higher average I think he's always going to be a free swinger. I think he's always going to have a lot of strikeouts. But you're getting rid of a weakness in the approach. You're getting rid of taking advantage of his length and using it against him. And, you know, kudos to him for finding a way to get better and to get himself to a point where now all of a sudden you're looking at him like, oh, maybe he makes this team. You know, Luplo hasn't been healthy. De- Delander Shields hasn't been healthy. There and in a Franmo Reyes had to miss a little bit of time. It's been a chance for the outfielders to shine. And who is shining the most right now? It's Bradley Zimmer. So we'll see. You know, He was a top 25 prospect in all of baseball. I had him either 6th or 8th in his draft class. The talent is there. The ability is there. And the physical tools are very obviously there. It's just kind of crazy to go back and think that him and Clint Frazier were viewed as like these two gem outfielders coming up through the system together. So much so, I always remember being at opening day for the Akron uh, Rubber Ducks when they were both there, and there's Jonathan Mayo sitting in the the press box with all of us because it was such a premium game to come see those two line up together uh, as they were both viewed as kind of top 30 prospects at the time. And here we look all these years later, and neither one has managed to establish themselves as a starter in the big leagues. Uh, Frazier's been healthy but not been consistent, and Zimmer's been hurt, and we'll see who ends up, you know, that was the big debate for a lot of years in the Indian system. It's like, who's going to be better, Frazier or Zimmer? And I kind of, by the time they traded Frazier, Frazier was my number one prospect in system. There were still people who thought that Zimmer was the higher rated prospect. And we still haven't finished that debate. It still has not been settled, hopefully soon. And uh, just as a fan of the Indians, I'm hoping it ends up being Bradley Zimmer. I'm hoping that he can continue building off of this and Again, with him and Mercado, if you could count on him as as Zimmer is even just a platoon player, the defensive ability and his ability as a defensive replacement, he covers so much ground. You put him in a corner, he is. There's not going to be a lot who drop a lot that drops. The whole thing is just him staying healthy and probably talking with him about taking less risks. That you know, you go back to when he hurt himself the first time. How much did that hurt the Indians in general when they lost their center fielder and lost his defensive presence? that you know one out isn't worth the risk of multiple games or in his case what feels like you know two two and a half years of injuries uh because Bradley Zimmer's breakout took up so much time we will save the third base talk for next week on the show I hope you've enjoyed this talk about Bradley Zimmer and Chen Chang this week they're the hot names in camp if you're not paying attention they're just slaughtering all the pitchers that they are facing They are killing the ball. Uh, I look forward to seeing how this helps them make rosters. We talked about Bradley Zimmer today. We talked about you earlier in the week. It's fun to have baseball to talk about. Uh, We'll continue to keep ourselves abreast of the news. We'll talk about the Tanner Burns signing when it occurs. you know, I'm hearing a mix of information, so I'm curious to see what it turns out. I've heard overslot, I've heard underslot. We will see, but I'm hoping we'll have that information solidified by next week. We should have it over the weekend. Uh, but yeah, no, we have real baseball to talk about. What a nice change, right? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. You can find my Facebook page. You can email me, Jeff MLB Draft at gmail.com. Send me comments, thoughts, ideas, things to help with the podcast. I'm always up for a listener mail show. I'm always up for answering or commenting or responding to people on the podcast, especially as we're still kind of in this scrimmage type of season where we have a little bit less to talk about. Once we actually have games, that'll be a lot nicer, and I'll uh, I'll try using the hot mic feature to stream some games. And while I am streaming the games to uh, to do the podcast, it might be something different to try out as well. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been awesome. Another week in the books, and. I was trying to think. This might actually be episode 300. It's a 300 episodes, I believe. It's either this one or it's Mondays. It could very well be this one. So 300 episodes in the book. So very much a big thank you to everyone that I have been able to do 300 episodes already of this podcast. If you have listened to all 300, please let me know. I'm very curious to find out who has actually done that. But again, big thank you to the audience. You're the only reason this podcast exists. And as always, go Tribe.